Nu skal Peter herop. Yes. Øhm, det er sådan, at hvis du er her for første gang, så øh, ved du slet ikke, at hver morgen, så har Rich været her øh, sammen med os og fortalt os om en, et brev i Bibelen, der hedder Romerbrevet. Øh, men øh, Rich, kom op her. Og som I kan høre, så taler jeg lige engelsk eller prøvet på, og det er fordi øh, Rich taler engelsk. <laughs> so Rich, I have asked you uh, some different questions, but today I was just wondering uh, how did you meet a Danish girl or lady or woman or whatever she was when you met her? Um, do you guys know, uh, there's a guy called Cal Dalman, I guess some of you know him. He always says, I stole, um, I came over here and stole a Viking woman. Oh. That's what it did, actually. It just raided all his... No, um, I met Louisa. Um, oh, we met, we met in Sheffield. She was doing a gap year, and 15 years ago. It's a really long time that, ago. That's amazing. Yeah, and um, yeah, she just kept chasing me down, and eventually I, get, eventually I had to give in. It's not quite the story, but yeah. But that's a good story too. Yeah. <laughs> Can I pray for you? Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, dear Lord, I just thank you for Whit Rich and just that he is willing to come here to Denmark and share uh, your gospel with us. And <clears throat> I just pray that you would give him wisdom and insight today to share more about who you are, God, and that we will get a deeper understanding of your great love for us. Amen. Oh man. Well, nice to see you. Thanks for being here. I um I was thinking a bit about time yesterday. I was I was FaceTiming with my team in Chef in uh, Gateshead where I work, and um I was saying to them it's, it was much nicer to FaceTime with the staff team that I work with than with my children, because uh, my children are seven and five, and when I you know FaceTime with them, all they want to do is spin the screen around. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes of just sat there having the screen turned around. And so time is a precious thing, isn't it? Uh, that's 20 minutes of my day I don't get back, but it's, a, it's nice to see them-ish. Um, I'd, I'd like to just show you a video. I've spoken lots about St. George's. Um, I always say, um, I, I lead St. George's, but I always feel like saying I lead St. George's is the wrong thing to say because um, there's myself, but there's a whole team of us, and actually we're a whole church together trying to do things. We're on a, a journey, an adventure together. And so although I say I lead St. George's, really it's not, uh, it's not me, it's, uh, it's everyone. But here's a little video just introducing uh, St. George's. I thought I'd show it to you. So the Spirit testifies to our spirit that we're his children. And we share testimony, and we believe in him together. Testimony in community is really powerful. Is is great to grow closer to closer to God as a community, but also uh, get to know each other much better. How does God's wisdom get made known? It gets made known through the church. When I read about Jesus, something's different. When I change my focus from my problems to Jesus, something's different. And I think I truly believe that this is how we'll transform Gateshead. Through every single one of us, given what we have, using the skills we have to show the love of Jesus. You see churches planted all over our nation. Every single year, new churches. Every single year, new people becoming Christians. A new day in our nation. The transformation of society. The re-evangelization of our streets and cities. Where is God calling you to make a difference at such a time as this? 
There you go. It's just a little introduction to St. George's. Um, it's great to be uh, with you. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, yesterday we spoke about... Um, what did we speak about yesterday? Yesterday we spoke about going from death to life and, uh, and how God calls us into a new place. Today we're going to speak about how uh, to be who you really are. How to be who you really are. And we're going to read from Romans eight fourteen to 17. I think this is one of the most important questions uh, that we need to address in our time right now. Uh, What the world is looking for, what the world is looking for is people who are genuinely who they were made to be. Uh, The world is looking for more authentic people. Uh, We're tired, aren't we, of people who stand up and say one thing and then maybe, I don't know, a leader of the free world, so to speak, stands up the next day and says something else. Uh, We're a people in search of genuineness, of authenticity. We're people who are looking to be who we really are. And many of us have wrestled with this question, how do we define ourselves in this time? If you've ever watched uh, something like X Factor or one of those shows, they're all about people trying to define themselves, trying to work out who am I? What am I doing here? How do we be who we really are? How do we be truly the people God made us to be? Because um, that's what the world needs. The world needs you and me and each other to be who we really are, to be who God made us to be, with the peace and the purpose that he's given us. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to read from Romans 8, 14 to 17. Hopefully you've, got, you've found that if you need to. But here's what it says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. How do we be who we really are? How do we be the people God's made us to be? Well, first thing I want to say is this. We need to beware the power of fear. Did you hear what Paul said? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Uh, Fear is a powerful emotion. Who's ever been really, really afraid of something? Who's ever like come across something and and you had that feeling within you? It's it's hard to express. It's like a rush of adrenaline, almost like a moment of, of, it's almost like a high for a moment. You just have this emotional reaction. Uh, Do you know that your brain processes emotional responses to things much faster than it uh, it processes a rational response to something? So if you come across something that you're fearful of, your brain emotionally will process that much faster than you can uh, rationally process what's going on. It's what's kept you alive all these years, actually. Uh, Fear is a powerful emotion. Uh, The first time I came to Denmark, uh, one of my nephews, who was much younger then, had been shown a picture of me. And you know, back in the day when printers were a new thing, uh, they printed a picture of me. And and for some reason, they printed a picture of me and I was green. So when I came and met my nephew for the first time, he ran away in fear because I wasn't green like I was supposed to be. Uh, Fear is a powerful emotion. It causes us to respond in all kinds of ways. And actually, fear is what's kept you alive. Uh, Look at this guy. Imagine you were walking down the street uh, one day. You were going to see your friends one evening, and you came across this guy on the street. 
you'd feel fearful, I think. Or maybe some of you are like, no, I'd take him home and show my friends. But, but most of us who are normal, our response to that would be fear. There's a lion staring down at me. Uh, fear is a powerful emotion. And actually, in some ways, it's a useful emotion. It's a useful thing. It's what stops you from stepping out in front of cars. It's what keeps you uh, doing certain things. It's why I prepared this day, because I was fearful that maybe if I hadn't prepared anything, this would be really awkward. Uh, Fear is useful in that way. But here's the problem. The problem is when what we're seeing is that, but what's really there is this. Because fear is a powerful emotion, but fear is a problem when it causes us to see things differently to how they really are. That when we walk down the street and we think we're seeing a lion, but really we're seeing a cat... Uh, Paul says, don't live in fear again. He doesn't rule out the idea that we might have fears, but he calls us not to live in fear, uh, to be a people who aren't living there. Beware the power of fear, because fear is a terrible master, but a useful servant. And what happens in our lives very often, is that fear stops being an emotion that causes us to survive and it starts being the emotion by which we survive. And how does this work in our lives? Well, if we have inner fear ruling, it will cause us to do certain things. It will cause us to walk away from the path God has for us. Fear that I'm not loved enough will cause me to seek out love in places away from God. Uh, Fear that I'm not worth enough will cause me to live my life in such a way that all I do is try to prove myself to the world. Uh, Fear that I'm somehow empty inside will cause me to find fulfillment away from God. When we live in fear, it's a master over us and it's a terrible master, though it's a useful servant. It's a, if you walk down the street... And you see a lion, but really it was just a cat. We must learn then how to be free from fear. Here's what Paul says. He says this. Rather, the spirit you've received brought about your adoption to sonship. He says, look, don't live in fear again. Uh, Don't be people who are driven by this master that would cause you to sin and to wander away and to be defined in all kinds of ways. But rather, you've received something else. You've been given, received graciously given something else and what have you been given the spirit of sonship the spirit of being a child of God beware then first of all if we're to be who we really are we need to beware the power of fear yes it will be in your life you will have emotional responses to all kinds of things and they're useful they're what kept you alive all these years but when they become in control They become problems. You become, like Paul says, a slave to them when you live within them. So how do we escape that? Well, let's have the next slide. We escape that by getting to know who we are. So firstly, uh, to be who we really are, we need to be aware of the power of fear. But secondly, to be who we really are, we need to get to know who we really are. And what does Paul say? He says this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
So firstly, if we're to be who we really are, we need to be aware of the power of fear at work within us. Uh, that sometimes it would try to be a master over us. It would try to rule us, make it its slave. And we need to be aware of that. But instead of having the power of fear at work within us, we have the spirit of sonship. And what does the spirit of sonship do? It allows us to cry, Abba, Father. Abba is the most intimate term we can give to God. What does God say he's like in your life? He says, I'm like a father. He says, I'm like a father. Now, if you're able to call him father, that makes you what? It makes you a child. So we're to get to know who we really are. Who are we? We're children of the father. What is the spirit doing in the world? The Holy Spirit is drawing you into the relationship between the father and Jesus. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has made it possible for you to have this new status. And the new status is this. All the things the Father says about Jesus are now said about you. So that in Luke 4, when Jesus is in the waters of baptism and he comes up, what does the Spirit do? It hovers over him. And over him it says, this, this is my child whom I love. Who are you? Well, in Jesus, you're the one who stands in the water with the Spirit hovering over you saying, this one is my child whom I love. It's echoing what God said at the beginning. Who is this one? Very good. Who are you? Well, in Jesus, you are a child of the Father. And from that place of baptism, from that place where we have died and been lifted up to new life, the Spirit hovers over you. This one is my child. With this one, I'm well pleased. Let me ask you a question. Do you hear the voice of the Father today saying you're well pleased? You please him. You're not just something that needed rescuing, you see. You're the prize that he came to rescue. You please him. There's something about his heart that's delighted in you. Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Lord sings songs of delight over us. The whole story is God saying this. These people are my people. I want them. I long for them. My invitation to you today is to get to know who you really are. To stand in the waters and hear him say, this one, this one I've chosen. This one is the prize. This one is my child. With this one I'm well pleased. With you I'm well pleased. You're the crown of his creation. So first of all, we're to to learn to, to beware of the power of fear, but then we're to get to know who we really are. And who we really are is children who've been brought into the love between the Father and the Son. You know, in Jesus' moment of crises, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when before him stood the cross and behind him stood escape, and he knew he needed to go to the cross, what does Jesus do? He says, Abba, Father. Do you know, you and I are drawn into that story by the Spirit. Because Jesus goes to the cross, you too can stand in the garden of Gethsemane when you're faced with crises and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, it's me, Daddy, it's you. This is who you are. 
You're drawn into a story, into the embrace of God by his spirit. Because this is what it says, the spirit himself testifies. Let's go back one, sorry. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He testifies. What does it mean to testify? It means to give witness to. It means to affirm something. It means to say, this is really, really, really true. So if you want to discover who you really are, first of all, you need to see the picture that you're being brought into. You're being brought into the place of the Son. Embraced by the Father. That's what the Spirit's doing. But how does it happen? He testifies to you. He witnesses to you. He affirms it. How? He whispers over you. You're my child. I love you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I know that you've been wandering in a far and distant land, but welcome home. I know that you sometimes think that you're to slave and that all I'll ever give you is a goat, but don't worry, there's a feast. He welcomes you home. Uh, I do this thing with my children. I have two children and I do this thing with them. Uh, I stand at the door and I say this to them. Hey boys, um, who loves you? And they'll say, oh, you love me, daddy. And I'll say, who's proud of you? And they'll say, you're proud of me, daddy. And I'll say, who's a joy to me? And they'll say, oh, we're, we're a joy to you, daddy. Uh, what am I doing to them when I do that? I'm testifying to who they really are. Because they will face all kinds of challenges every single day. And my oldest child has additional needs. That means that school for him is a huge challenge. Uh, things that you and I find normal, like interacting with other children and, and doing our work and all those kinds of things. Maybe you don't find them normal, but he does doesn't and and lots of us do and you know um every day he faces amazing obstacles and we wanted him to go into that day knowing this that someone loves him someone's proud of him and to someone he's always a joy that's what God does to us he testifies to us but here's the other thing I always say to my children I always say hey guys who's always on your side and they always say daddy you're always on our side I'm always on their side you know, sometimes they annoy me. Like I FaceTime them and they like spin the screen around for 20 minutes. It's really irritating. And sometimes they get up too early. Sometimes they make a mess. Sometimes they fight. Sometimes they do things I don't want them to do. But it's still the case that I love them. They're a joy to me and I'm proud of them. And it's still the case I'm always on their side. I'm always on their side. I'm always for them. I'm on their team. And God says that to us. That's the relationship Paul's describing here. Get to know who you really are. If you want to know how to be you, get to know who you really are. Who you really are is a child of God. You've been brought into the embrace of the Father and the Son. That's what the Spirit's doing in the world. Luke 15, every single day I mention it, but the story of the prodigal son. When the Father welcomes the Son home, he holds him in his arms and he kisses him and the son wants to say how sorry he is but the father won't even let him get the words out he's like my son my son my son the spirit embraces you to be held like that my child my child my child and when the older son doesn't want to come in because he's bitter and hard-hearted and he thought he was a slave and he complains at his father and he says all these kind of mean things. What does the father say? My son, my son, my son. This is how it is. This is who I am. This is who you are. 
So how do we be who we really are? Well, first of all, we beware the power of fear. Sometimes we're looking at things and they look like lions and they're really cats. Sometimes we've allowed fear to become a master and not a servant. But then we also need to get to know who we are. We need to bring ourselves into the embrace of the Father. How? By saying, Holy Spirit, remind me again, who am I? Remind me again, who am I? But finally, what do we do? Because this isn't just a story about who you are, but it's about what you are to do. And these two things are always linked. There are not two parts to you. Who you are will flow into what you do. That's what happens in creation. God makes the world and says, look at this thing I've made. It's amazing. Now go and rule the earth. Go and subdue it. Make it fruitful. And for you too, he says, look at this thing I've made. It's amazing. Now go and be fruitful. Now go and do something. Make your life count. Do something with it. Where, and how do we do that? Where to live from identity. Here's what Paul says. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. If you're a child of God, then you're a child of the king. And if you're a child of the king, that makes you a member of the royal household. It makes you someone who operates within his kingdom. It gives you amazing potential, amazing purpose and amazing power in the world. Uh, you're not just someone who's loved, but you're to, from the place of being someone who loved, love in our world. Not only did God rescue you, but he gave you a purpose too. Think again about that story of the prodigal son. He's welcomed home. He's been in a far and distant land. He's, he's uh, squandered his wealth. He's tried to make a name for himself, driven by fear. He's ended up eating the food that was meant for pigs. And he thinks to himself, my father, my father has servants. I could go back there. And he goes back. And on the road, the father runs to him. And the father meets him and holds him and kisses him and says, my child, my child, my child. But then what does he do? He says this to his servants, quick. And that word quick is like urgent, like quick. And then he says, bring the best robe. Why a robe? Because he says, bring the best robe. Put on this child of mine the clothes of being a child. Uh, The robe is not insignificant. Think about the story of Joseph. Uh, The older son in the story of Joseph gets the robe. It's the robe that says, I belong here. And so the father says, get him a robe. He really does belong here. And then he says this. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Sandals on his feet because he's not a slave. He's a child. But a ring on his finger because he has authority to do things. Uh, The ring that the father puts on his finger is a ring of a permission, of authority, of purpose. Uh, From your identity, from the peace you've now found comes purpose. What will you do with the life God has given you? Will you live it for yourself or will you live it for our world? Uh, Will you be a person who simply consumes or will you be a person who also produces? Uh, Will you be a person who carries with them good news? Will you be a person who seeks out the lost, the lonely, the broken? Uh, Will you be a person who speaks to those who find themselves held by fear and says, hey you, Don't be afraid. 
what you think is a lion is really a cat? Will you be that person? Because this is what God is doing in the world. How to be really you. First of all, if you want to be really who you are, you need to again discover that you're not bound by fear. Maybe today you've been driven for so long. Uh, What might happen to you if you've been driven by that power? Uh, You might try to find your identity in relationships. Uh, You might try to find your identity in in, in work, in how good you are. Uh, You might find your identity in being funny or not being funny. You might find it in all kinds of ways. And behind it, it might feel as though all you're giving the world is a show. But deep down inside, there's this question, who am I really? That's how you know the power of fear has become a master. But what we do is we put it back in its place. And we say, you're not a master. Sometimes you're useful. You help me to stay alive, but you're not the master. And instead, we receive from him by grace. It's a gift. That's what it says when it says receive. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. It's a gift. You simply receive it. And you say, Spirit, would you testify? Tell me who I really am. Put me again in the place of Jesus. Let me hear again. I can't do it, but you can, Lord. I can't make a name for myself, but you can. And so stand in the water and say, Spirit, remind me. Who am I really? And as we stand in the water, this is what he says. You are you're my child. You, you're the one I've been waiting for. You, you're the one I consider to be the prize. You, you're the one I sing songs of delight over. You, you're the one I planned from the beginning. You, you're the crown of creation. You, you're the one I love. You're a joy to me. I'm proud of you. And maybe while you stand in the water, you think to yourself, oh gosh, Lord, There's so many challenges ahead. And this is what he says. Oh, you, I'm on your team. Oh, you, I'm with you. I'm by your side. Every step of this journey, I'm your father. I'm like a daddy to you. I'll never let you down. I'll never fail you. And maybe your parents weren't so great at that for all kinds of reasons. Maybe they made you think as though you had to earn their love. But but Jesus said, look, if you want to be a good father and you're bound to be in difficult ways and not evil, then imagine how much better your father in heaven is. He's the perfect father. If you want to be who you really are, beware the power of fear. Uh, Come and stand in the water and allow him to tell you who you are. Let him define you. Let him choose you. Let him say the final word. The Spirit will testify to you. And then from the place of identity, from the place of peace, find purpose. Find meaning. Find that when you came home to him, he met you on the road. And he gave you a robe, yes, to show you who you are. And he gave you sandals because your feet were beaten up because you'd been living as a slave. But he gave you a ring too. And he said, hey, you. Come share in my sufferings. What does it mean to share in suffering? It means to stand next to our brothers and sisters and our friends and our neighbours who are going through a hard time and say, hey, God's with you. God loves you. It means finding the unpopular person and making them popular in your life. It means choosing the difficult path, the path, the road less travelled. And finding that on the road less travelled lies adventure. 
I myself wear a ring, and it says this ring is a symbol of the road less traveled. It's supposed to symbolize the dirt paths of Africa, and I wear it because my decision has been to choose the road less traveled, because on the road less traveled lies adventure. Share in his suffering. Be different in the world. And as you do that, here's the amazing thing that will happen. You'll also share in his glory. What does it mean to share in his glory? It means that you see your friends set free. It means that you see hungry children fed. It means that there are moments when you look back on the journey you've been on and you're like, whoa, look at what God can do. So many of my friends have started to lose their faith. Do you know why they've lost their faith? It's it's partly because they forgot their identity, but it's also because they forgot their purpose. They forgot that this is a real kingdom. They forgot to get involved. They forgot that he put a ring on their finger and said, you've got amazing potential to change this world. They forgot, and because they forgot, they didn't share in his sufferings. And because they didn't share in his suffering, they didn't see his glory anymore. Ours is a practical faith. Ours is a faith that causes us to go, causes us to step forward and causes us to do. So from the place of being, where to go? As I finish then, how will you be who you really are? Be aware of the power of fear. Let it be a servant, but not a master. Bring yourself into a place of getting to know who you really are. Let him sing those songs of delight over you. Let him choose you. Put down the doubts and hear his voice. And as you hear his voice, see also that he gives you amazing purpose, a ring on your finger. He calls you. He calls you to share in his sufferings and so to share in his glory. And if you do that, and if I do that, and if we as a church can do that, then this nation, this continent of Europe, our world will change. Jesus will be shown again. It's not that it's over. It's that the people of God need to rediscover our peace with him, our identity with him, and our purpose. If we do that, then we will be the thing the world is looking for, authenticity. And it won't be us they see, but it will be God. And he will be glorified, and lives will be transformed. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today who have uh, seen a lion that was just really a cat, that have become people who live in fear again. And would you set them free? It says in the Bible that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. And so be set free in the name of Jesus. Don't let it be a master. Don't let it define you. Don't let it drive you away from him. And Lord, we stand in the water. Imagine yourself now stood in the river. And it says that the, the heavens opened and a voice from heaven said, this one, this is my child. And now because of the death of Jesus and his resurrection, you enter into his life. And so now over you, he says, this one, you, you're beautiful to me. You're precious to me. You're enough for me. You're the prize for which I would die. And say, maybe you doubt that right now, but say, Spirit, come. Remind me who I am. Define me. And Lord, I pray for all of us, my brothers and sisters and for myself, that we would live from our identity. 
we've already achieved everything, but let us live up to what we've achieved, Lord. Let us be the people you made us to be, Lord. Lord, we want to share in your sufferings that we will see your glory. We want to wear the ring of authority. Lord, make us who we really are. And Lord, be glorified. Amen.